Hello, American Prestige listeners. It's Derek. I am joined, as always, by my friend and comrade and co-host, Danny Bessner. Uh, and we are very pleased to welcome back to the show a man who's had quite an eventful 48 hours. Uh, well, coming back uh, to join us, Akbar Shahid Ahmed, the senior diplomatic correspondent for HuffPost. Uh, Akbar, well, we're going to get into it, but thank you so much for coming back on the show. Thank you for having me. So before we get into the White House's uh, lovely response to your recent reporting, why don't we talk about the story that drew that response first, which uh, is about a friend of the show, I know, good friend of yours, uh, a man who, for my money, uh, is, if you look at the sub-cabinet level, uh, the greatest, finest presidential advisor maybe in American history, Brett McGurk, the Middle East expert. Um, what is going on? What What was your reporting uh talk about this story. It's called a top Biden official is pushing an urgent post Gaza plan that's alarming some insiders. Uh, and we will have a link to it in the show description. But what is the plan? Sure. So Brett McGurk has served every president since George W. Bush. That's where he got his start. Under Biden, starting in February 2021, he has had a huge I think just to say, an unbroken yeah. string of success in the Middle East. I mean, <laughs> great like, president, guy's, great man, great this policy. This guy's That's our policy, yeah. The last four presidents, you know, I, the Middle East policy has been wow, just perfect. I mean, we're lucky to have him, you know. Anyway, so um, <clears throat> uh, Brett McGurk is hugely, hugely influential over Joe Biden. And his focus in the Biden administration, where he has run Middle East policy, has been a deal between Israel and Saudi Arabia. He wants the U.S. to make, you know, two of its closest partners in the Middle East come together in a way they never have before, uh, which would be very controversial, right? This is something where Saudi is, of course, arguably the most influential country in the Muslim-majority world. Israel has not resolved the Palestinian issue and a lot of folks inside the U.S. government, in foreign governments, in the region, feel that because of this McGurk-driven push on Saudi Israel, rather than Israel-Palestine, you had this kind of boiling resentment inside Palestine that helped fuel the frustration that led to October 7th and has made it just so intractable to get a resolution since. Uh, what I reported on Friday is a plan that McGurk has been shopping around inside the government, various agencies, saying, remember my old plan before October 7th? Let's bring it back and just add a little bit to it. So he's taking his old uh, focus on Saudi Israel, adding a little Gaza twist and saying, we can use the reconstruction of Gaza, which will have to happen at some point, of course. Uh, we can use that to create my Saudi-Israel deal, and it'll not only create stability, it will make President Biden look like a historic world leader, obviously, on the corpses of Gaza. Now, many, many officials inside government are deeply alarmed by this plan. They say two main points. They say, number one, it's not feasible. Uh, the Saudis, the political cost for them of cutting a deal with Israel after 24,000 Gazans dead, huge public furor. Uh, recent poll showed 96% of Saudis want Arab states to cut all ties with Israel. Cost is very high. The Palestinians, I think it's sort of self-explanatory. They're not really in a, in a mood to help Israel uh, shore up its international standing. And even the Israelis, I think, uh, 
in this vision, the Israelis would have to make concessions on Palestine that they simply don't seem to want to do. Uh, So on the one hand, the plan is infeasible, as I reported. On the other hand, it's kind of alarming people because it suggests that this administration cannot learn from its own lessons, right? Like look in the mirror and say, okay, why did we get to this point where the final year of, potentially the final year of our presidency is being defined by this totally, this thing we didn't predict and cannot control. Instead of learning from that, they are doubling down on their own tendencies, which to a lot of US officials, foreign officials, um, suggests we are in for a very bumpy 2024. So there's a couple of things here. I mean, the the feasibility is is at a time when you can't even get the Israeli government to commit to there being a post-war reconstruction of Gaza or even a post-war Gaza at this point, it seems to me, uh, is mind-boggling. But let's maybe you could talk a little bit more about McGurk, because even calling this his pre-October 7th plan, I think, understates this. This guy is. Captain Ahab and the Saudi-Israeli deal is his white whale. I mean, he's been chasing this dragon for forever. This is like his one thing. You talk about, you know, uh, if all you got is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. This is his hammer. This is the solution to every problem in the Middle East for this guy. Can you talk a little bit about how how long this quest has been? Yeah, I, I mean, I think the white whale analogy is perfect. Look, Brett McGurk is, is turning 50 this year, already has, I think, he sees this as like the pinnacle of, again, this 20-year career working on the Middle East. Prior to which, interestingly for your listeners, he was actually a Supreme Court law clerk for William Rehnquist. But that's a whole other question. Um, McGurk certainly sees this Great as man. my... Per- <laughs> it, it, just a, a fun set of characters here. McGurk thinks if he gets this, not only will he go down as a statesman of renown, but his future career is set, right? So in previous reporting, you know, a lot of people have thought about what would happen to McGurk after this position of immense power. Um, it's widely understood he could not get Senate confirmation for something like Secretary of State, uh, given controversial past elements of his record that we can get into. Um, so where does he go next, right? And one thing that a person said to me last year when I did a big profile of McGurk was, listen, he should just buy a house in Riyadh. And I mean, it's it's funny to see, but actually a lot of these former government officials do end up becoming lobbyists from Middle East governments, uh, working with these folks, having these relationships. So I think that's a really personal element of it for him. Um, And it's also his way to justify to all his naysayers, and Brad McGurk is a man with a long list of enemies, uh, to justify to everyone, I was right, you were wrong. You told me I was wrong, and I proved you wrong. Um, And I got into this in the piece on Friday where one of the US officials, um, I spoke with three, you know, who are familiar with the plan, And one of them said, look, uh, so much of this, the feasibility does not matter to Brett McGurk, right? The millions of lives potentially affected are not so relevant as his actual image within Washington. It's a face-saving exercise to resurrect this plan, even if everyone thinks it's infeasible and a joke. Before we get to the White House response, which is really what I want to talk about uh, for the last half of this interview, but before we get to that, maybe... Um, you could talk about one specific aspect of this plan that seems to be now at the center of the the controversy, which is uh, the proposal for Joe Biden to basically do a victory lap in the Middle East, uh, as you said, on the bodies of of dead Palestinians. Uh, but the idea that he would go and tour the region as a conquering hero for having achieved uh, the long sought Israeli Saudi deal, how 
how tone deaf is this? I mean, what what was what's the the plan look like, and just how tone deaf uh, can we say it is? I, I'll put it in the words of one of the officials I spoke to, which who said, "This is what happens when you have someone with no regional or historical context." I think were Biden to do that, it would be a security nightmare for the Americans. First off, I think it would be it would be received very very poorly. Um, but it shows you how. McGurk now sees himself as not just sort of master of the White House, master of the bureaucratic process, but like now he's a domestic politics expert too, right? Like McGurk is doing this not because he thinks it like is great for the region or people in the region would love it. He's selling it as President Biden. Look, President Trump, you know, had these so-called Abraham Accords that he talked about as a major foreign policy achievement. You will have your own version of that. I mean, important caveats, of course, Trump lost to Biden. That's sort of the, the whole point of, of this administration. Um, but also, you know, you, this is a deal that requires everyone to, to bless it too. It cannot just be Joe Biden going to the region himself and saying, hello, I'm here, you know, give me a bouquet and crown me. Um, I think there's a real sense that envisioning, and, and I, I'm very, very, very confident on this. I just want to emphasize to folks, because this is an aspect, and we can get into it, that the White House is now baselessly claiming I am lying about. It's widely understood, beyond even my sources that I quote in that piece, that McGurk is planning a trip for the president in late spring, early summer, to the Middle East, where he will present himself as a peacemaking icon. That's without dispute. Could be in Israel, could be somewhere else. Hmm. Well, I mean, who wouldn't want to host Joe Biden's peace tour? <laughs> who I mean, could deny uh, that point? Joe who Biden? Could, the compelling man, nature. Peace in our time, Joe Biden. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Thanks for listening to American Prestige. For the rest of the interview, please subscribe to our Substack at AmericanPrestigePod.com, where you'll find hundreds of bonus episodes, breaking news specials, historical deep dives, and more. Again, that's AmericanPrestigePod.com. Don't, 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 don't.